Hey there, guys. I'm Steffi Seth, and this is Bobby, and we are doing some motorcycle diaries today. Bobby, what are motorcycle we talking about? Di- you know, we're just let's talk about just being alive and we're taking. Two, we're just two dreamers out here dreaming. Well, we're dreaming. This is Dallas. We're riding around. It's kind of between raining uh, episodes. We're looking for a coffee shop. Yeah, we love coffee. You know, uh, coffee is interesting. There is so much chemistry behind it. There's so much of a rich history. Coffee gives people a chance to sit around, and it's a stimulant, and it, it fosters community and conversation. Boom. There you go. But we're kind of trying to pull away from alcohol, right? We're not, like, it's not that we don't have a beer every now and then or a glass of wine, but it's really nice when you don't need to have alcohol. you got a car on your right there, Steph. Um, but, you know, what's on your mind right now on Motorcycle Diaries, Steffi? Well, whenever we're around the lake, it's hard not to think of running and all of the stuff that comes with that. And kind of ties into what we, you know, you and I were just talking about, where it's, you know, kind of talked about, you know, when's the first time you took a good, hard look at yourself? And we had interviewed uh, Dr. Brett Kessler, president-elect of the ADA recently in Chicago, and he was talking about running and endurance sports. And my comment was that, you know, you can run away from your problems. Oh, yeah. And that was probably an easy description for me, even though running helped me with school and kind of, you know, just kind of my, my attention in school and kept me out of some bad stuff. I didn't, I didn't have to develop in other ways because I was good at running. And so it mm. allowed me to hide and mask some of the, I don't know, just some of the the critical moments growing mm. up that I think people tend to encounter when they don't have a championship to hide behind or they don't have a um, early athletic success in the capacity that I had it. So right now, are you running away from things or running towards a solution? Oh, I would say I'm blundering through things right now. <laughs> blundering? Yeah. That's kind of the story of my life. I, you know, we did that Peru uh, hike up the Inca Trail to Machu Picchu, and my intent was just to enjoy that kind of long, arduous journey. Yeah. And I was a little bit scared. But you know what? It worked out well. And I learned you can do almost anything with little baby steps. Very true, actually. We are actually standing on the motorcycles right now. It feels absolutely amazing. We've got to get another motorcycle journey planned out. It's getting to be the fall here. We're actually having some cool coming into Dallas. Watch this car up here left. No signal. Watch right. One of the things I love about motorcycles, and part of perhaps what's kind of cool to try to share on this diary, with motorcycles, you have to have full attention at all times. Or really bad helps. things will happen. <laughs> well, it helps, yes. And, you know, you, you can have the slightest little thing. you got to look at road surfaces. You've got to look at vehicles all over the place. It's dangerous as all get out. Um, 
you know, why do you ride motorcycles again, Steph? I think as I blundered through things, it was an easy way to... <laughs> Add to the blundering? Yeah. It was an easy way just to manage emotions. Really? Motorcycling is a nice relief, and you don't have to do any kind of physical activity to get a real kind of rush. And it's uh, it's a dangerous choice, and a lot of stuff on a motorcycle ride is out of your control. But you know, we were we were you to pay attention. We were you dropping know. off. I had one motorcycle getting maintenance, and I we dropped off my other one, and my other one needed a new back tire, and it, the roads were wet, and we were coming up a hill and gave it some gas, and I fishtailed on the motorcycle. And that was kind of my big cruiser, the heavy one. And that got my attention. Motorcycles will get your attention. They say, you know, live like you're, <laughs> live like you're dying. And maybe that's a little dramatic on this, but you feel, you definitely feel alive when you're riding a motorcycle. It's nice because the more you live in the moment, the more alive you feel and the more oh, yeah. sensations you're feeling. And so that's what, you know, bringing it back to cycling and or motorcycling, it's, uh, it forces you to pay attention and live in the moment. It's similar to running, which does this, it's a, kind of the same mechanism because you're hurting a lot. <laughs> And you're very <laughs> We just saw two two chaps on a tandem bike. You uh you get a chance to really unlock a subconscious part of your brain and and really process some stuff. I'm gonna go left hand mm. right here. We're crossing a bridge at White Rock Lake in Dallas and the we've had heavy rains and the rain is just kinda pouring down that uh I don't even know what that thing is, a hillway or something like that. I I do a really bad job to kind of enjoying that journey or just living in the moment. That's what I was trying to say. How, do you do well living in the moment, Steph? I think when I'm running and on a motorcycle, I do. You know, you actually do a really good job as far as you're just, you know, you're the kind of person that says, you know what, I'm not going to over think x y or z let's just get it in there and we're going to be okay for, for uh an embarrassingly like large amounts of decision making i do that because i just i don't know i've got the uh i've got confidence to say hey i know i can handle that but there is a lot of things like big decisions that i will do over i'll ruminate on you know, minor social encounters that I'm like, oh, man, I should have said this, and I didn't say that, and I wanted to, and if I just had that moment back, I would have said it this way. Mm. Uh, so I ruminate a whole heck of a lot. Uh, but on the, you know, for like an adventure or when I feel super-duper safe and secure, there's not much I, you know, I can't do. And, and that's where that flippancy comes from. That's where that, hey, let's just figure it out comes from. It's fun. I'm a fun sucker sometimes. Yeah. I gotta look. I gotta look at the weather. I gotta, you know. Yeah, it's definitely two different ways to go about go about things. I think the I think the devil's in the details, and better watch your fishtailing capabilities there. Yeah, no joke. No the joke. Devil's well. in the details, and it's just nice to. That's where your passions come in. I had a. I had lunch with a doc recently, and she was saying, you know, she's like, Steph, you're, you're passionate about so many things. 
Uh, and so it's tough really to talk about a single passion. And she had gone to this. Losing weight. She had gone to this executive education uh, series in California. It's over six months, phenomenal program through Glidewell Labs. And uh, she was saying, you know, yeah, I. I talked about, they asked you kind of, okay, you know, who do you want to impact? And there was a lot of people there that was like, oh, I want to change the world and I want to do all of this good. And, and they, they, they teach you here, you really need to narrow it down. Not to say you won't change the world, but if you, yeah. you water down your message or if you try to do all of it in one big expansive scale, yeah. No one we, really changes the world that way. You know, we for had instance, a, oh sorry. We'll we had a we had a talk with uh, uh, a leader fairly recently and we talked about that issue. They had quite a few goals that they kind of set out to accomplish and it reminded me of um, when I was doing my public policy fellowship, we had the the guy who was I think he was chief of staff for Jimmy Carter. And he just said, we had way too many goals and we lacked concentration and we were trying to do everything. And we ended up not being able to do very many things. And think again by Adam Grant, the book that talks about change. We've got to do a book review on that. we got to do it. It's a great book. And, you know, just to kind of further emphasize the point, they talk about debate strategies and when you're – when you're trying to uh, bolster, when you say something, you want people to think it, think that way, or you want people to acknowledge the, your point. If you start to give supporting arguments, one really good supporting argument is far better than having two great supporting arguments and one really bad one. Because what happens when you throw that last one in there just because you want to fill space, or you think you need a, you know, a, you know, one more argument. If you put a bad argument in there, it's it's going to negate your entire point because it's an access point for someone to easily pick at and debunk. After you read that book, I'm going to go. I'm going to go. What, What did you have to rethink or what did you choose to rethink after reading that book? Is there anything you're reading this and you're like, oh, my gosh, I got to. Yeah, it talks about kind of. When people are, like, just like we're doing right now, when people are talking and thinking, they go into three different modes. It's either professor, preacher, or politician. And the professor uh, has a, you know, and I, it's been a minute. <laughs> I'm going to mix these up, but it's, it's really important. I've, I've kind of moved on to a different book at this point. But it talks about having evidence versus no evidence for what you're saying. And it talks about, you know, how you, how you construct an argument or uh, just kind of a, a way of thinking and, and how easily someone's going to change their mindset based on whether they're in their professorial mode, their preacher mode, uh, or their politician mode. And it's tough because, uh, you know, one of the aspects of being in a politician mode is there's no evidence. It's all about charisma. Yeah. And so if you're trying to debunk somebody with evidence, but they're a great politician, you may not you may not win that one. Hmm. The the best thing is to have a scientific mind and to be open to being wrong. When scientists well, are 
when well, so when scientists are wrong, so say they do an experiment, they it's a it's a it's a, it's a good thing because we still learn something. But if you don't have a scientific mind, being wrong in society, to so say political science, isn't as isn't, isn't as great. And, and what I would say is that's one of the things I think we've lost in our discourse is watch right, watch right. The ability for for people to have different types of interaction, and, and I think we've seen that in the past couple of years. People can't disagree. There was something I – wasn't there something this morning that I was reading out of Harvard Business Review? It was storytelling. Or no, sorry, you're reading the two thumbs, two opposing thumbs. Right, Siskel and Ebert. And these guys could agree completely. I'm going to go, I'm going to go, I'm going to go. We're crossing a road here. That's one of the things with motorcycles. Um, But so back to my initial question of is there something you looked at and said, I need to – yeah, I think this you way. Be okay saying you're wrong. Oh. You have to be open to being wrong because that yeah. means that it doesn't mean the other person is right or will be right all the time. It just means that you recognize there's something there that maybe was not consistent with your previous way of thinking. Yeah, one of the That's things. Okay. Well, you know, I've got boys that are kind of around the age of twenty, and. Uh, I made a lot of mistakes as a parent. One of the things that I think helped me or one of the things I think I did well was apologizing to my boys if I was wrong. And there were lots of times I was wrong. And uh, I remember just conversations and I, you know, they were quite shocked that, and maybe it's they wanted to do something specific and, I said, no, that's not a good idea. And then it turned out that, yeah, you know what? They actually should do X, Y, Z. Well, unthinking, rethinking, changing your mind, admitting when you're wrong, that's all tough stuff to do. Any other final comments as we wrap it up, Steffi Steph? On the note of being more okay with being wrong, when you look at all of our knowledge collectively as humans, what we have, like all of the knowledge that we, we have, you know, what is it to know a fact and how quickly does that fact become irrelevant? Think of how many people believed that the earth was flat and, and, and how wrong that would be knowing what we know now. So. And then you fast forward so many years and how many people believe that, you know, I don't know, you could never do, you could never put a man on the moon kind of thing. Yeah. You could never go into outer space and how wrong right. that is now. So yeah. the concept of being right is so temporal. and It's relative, yeah. Yeah, and it's pro- and, you're, and just because you're consistent with the knowledge bank that we have today, it doesn't mean that next year or in the next moment that would be right as well. So it's not about being wrong necessarily, but it's about being more about being open-minded. Yeah. Just let me know when you're crossing here. And understanding as humans, we only know in the moment what's in front of us. Yeah. And so it's okay to be wrong. And actually talk about this in this book. 
is that if you are the same person with the same knowledge bank next year as you as you were the previous year, it's a wasted <laughs> year. You have, you have failed. That's right. Yeah, Information yeah. will constantly be changing around you. You need to have, we always joke, we say, you know, Bob 2.0 or Seth 2.0 or new Bob or new Seth. Are you and, on a 2.0? I didn't think you, I thought we're still, did you original. have a revision? I'm on the original. You're OG. All right, you're OG. Well, so on that point, it's, um, I think sometimes, especially when you are on a team that you've been on, they might criticize you for inconsistencies. And there is there is something to be being consistent, but I'll also argue the fact that you have every right to change. And it's okay to walk into your team or office or whatever one day and just say, hey, this is something I'm trying yep. new, yep. and this is how I'm going to be, and this is how I'm going to act, and that's yep. just... And, and, that's and as we've talked about before, if you're the same person when you're 25 versus 30 versus 35 versus 40... Something's wrong. Now you're you're going to maintain some characteristics, but anyways, well, I guess to wrap up this episode, we're gonna push you. We push people. What would be the message to say? Push to be open to change. Push to be an open to be wrong. I would just say be open-minded and always know that what you know today may not be true tomorrow. Cool. I love it. Well, listen, guys, if you love what we're talking about. Please hit the subscribe, and thanks for joining Motorcycle Diaries.